show where Ohio froze down Ohio is on fire I am Daniel Diesel back with another episode of all the good things happening in the state of Ohio this is what the podcast is all about on this episode I have an interview with Savannah Webb she is a podcast producer and she is a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons and she might be an expert I talked to her at the Proto Build Bar in Dayton Ohio that's coming up in just a little bit Also, me and her together, we do OHMVP, so that was a nice little fun thing we did together. That's during the interview. Whereas after the interview, I will do shout-outs to big events going on this weekend in the state of Ohio. I think you'll like that. I'm going to give some of the shots. Right now, I want to talk further more about baseball. The subject I want to discuss within baseball is one of the major things... That happened in the sport many, many years ago. I'm talking about when the color barrier broke. And yes, most people, they first think of Jackie Robertson as the guy that broke the color barrier in baseball. But I am here to tell you that that is incorrect. He was not the first black man to play any sort of Major League Baseball. The man to do that was Moses Fleetwood Walker. But yes, he was an American professional baseball player... He played catcher, and he was the first black man to play any sort of professional baseball within Major League Baseball. And he is a native of Mount Pleasant, Ohio. So someone from the state of Ohio was the one that made history, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, usually. I want to tell you more about Moses Fleetwood Walker. He was a star athlete at Oberlin College, as well as the University of Michigan. Boo! Walker played for semi-professional and minor league baseball clubs, before joining the Toronto Blue Stockings of the American Association, which is Double A, for the 1884 season, his brother Weldy was actually the second black athlete to play professional baseball. He followed suit just shortly after. He also played for this Toledo baseball team. Weldy Walker played just one season, 42 games total for Toledo before injuries entailed his release. Moses Walker he played in the minor leagues until 1889, and was the last African-American to participate at a Major League Baseball level, until Jackie Robertson famously broke the color barrier in 1947. Of course, the reason why I'm such a much longer man is that, fortunately, there was a lot of bigotry during those times, and the white owners of these baseball teams, they decided that perhaps they wasn't ready for a color player to be in the league, and they voted to have segregation within baseball for all that time. And of course, with 
the people of color who wasn't allowed to play baseball, they were allowed to have their own league. And many great players got to play in that league. Most not getting their chance at Major League Baseball. But Jackie Robertson finally got his chance. And there was a guy that was a big part of have, of Jackie Robertson getting that chance. It was a longtime baseball scout and someone who decided to be a manager for Jackie Robertson. A personal you know, publicist, if you will. And that guy was Branch Rickey. And I am proud to say that Branch Rickey is my relative. I am related to Branch Rickey. He was the baseball scout that was responsible for talking to the owners, convincing them that this would be a great experiment, that this would help the game. It would actually also raise staggering crowds because they were low on attendance previous years. So that was the other thing. They were he they in order to speak the language of these white baseball owners, you got him in their pocket. And that's really the best way you have to do it. But of course, there's also morality, as people were slowly warming to the idea that there was other equal races besides just a white man within America during that time. And this was a big step. Branch Rickey was able to communicate to these owners that someone should get a shot. They decided to give it to Jackie Robertson, who went playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he had an all-time great career, a Hall of Famer. And it's thanks to Jackie Robertson and his efforts. He changed baseball forever. You see people from all over the world play Major League Baseball now. And the guy to help Jackie Robertson do what he did was Branch Rickey. And he is related to my grandfather's side of the family. Of course, he died a long time ago. So that's always something I'm proud of when it comes to my family heritage. So, and of course, he did grow up in Ohio. So yes, the state of Ohio, rather, if you believe the Jackie Robertson story, or if you have known about the Moses Walker story for quite some time, it's all linked to Ohio. So Ohio broke the color barrier in baseball. My family was involved. I'm very proud of that. Whisper to me all your wisdom I'm in love with every word that you say Lean in a little closer, give me a taste And God knows that I'll miss you But right now I'll just lie awake Hanging on the end of every breath that you take
the Proto Bill Bar here in Dayton, Ohio. I'm with my guest for this episode. She is one of a kind performer of the podcasting arts, and she loves Dungeons and Dragons, which I want to learn about this game because I've never played it. But she is Savannah Webb. Say hello, Savannah. Hi. Yeah, welcome to Ohio's on Fire. It's great to have you. Thank you. Now, yes, so I've learned a lot of things about you over the years. And yes, you are a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. A giant fan. Giant fan, absolutely. Now, with that being said, I have never played it. It's something I've never gotten into when I was a young kid, and it's something I haven't done since then. So I need to learn something about Dun Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe you can fill me in. If you wanted to play a game, like how would you get the game started? Would you hook up with someone, or do you just learn? How do you get involved in Dungeons and Dragons? Um, there's either two approaches. You just jump into the deep end of GMing for a group of your friends. Yeah. So you just get a hand. You just get your hands on a rule book and all that information, and then you just read everything. Yeah. And then you just try to make it work. Which <laughs> most D&D games are just <laughs> just random acts, so it doesn't really matter too much if you get the rules a little wrong at first, if you're working out with a bunch of new people, yes. everybody will kind of try to figure it out together. Yeah, I imagine there's various skill sets, because there's like the rookie level, which I would be, and then there's people that are masters at it. Now, are, are there like world championships to this game? There's not been a world championship, but there are professional GMs. Professionals. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Now, um, what is the ultimate goal when playing a game of D&D? &D? Like, is there something that you can play for? What's, how's that work? I mean, really, it's just to have fun. To have if you fun. can have the biggest laugh at the table, if you can do the most creative thing in game. Yeah. I mean, that's a big win right there. If people yes. are talking about what you did in D&D &D with your character and how you just gave that role everything and just dived into it, then you yeah. really really done something awesome and you've really escaped and that's the point of the game. Is it possible for someone to die in a game of Dungeons and Dragons? Can you kill someone? Absolutely. You can die <laughs> in D&D &D all the time. Because that sounds like the only way I would probably play if someone were to die. Like, about, like the survival of the fittest, um, there's like a buried treasure somewhere out in the world and you, only one person can have it and you just kill everyone, boom, boom, boom. You that looks like me. Not a lot of people kill off the other players. It's yeah. not a thing people usually do. Everybody's uh, usually pretty good with teamwork. Um, this is a collaborative adventure usually. And the GM doesn't want to kill off their players either because that's how you lose friends. Oh, well, it, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, so it's all about teamwork and... It's crafting a story, teamwork, um, really just developing a character. Well, that's the next thing I want to talk to you about for D&D is characters and adventures. Like most games, it's kind of like decided for you in advance, like a Monopoly. You already know what the storyline is. But um, it, it says with Dungeons & Dragons, you can make your own characters and you can create your own adventures. So is that correct? Yeah. Um, just think about it as like a GM writes like the intro to a book. Yes. And then the characters in the book just kind of decide where it goes from. And oh. your players are the characters. So there is a guide. Like if you need, if you don't know how to make a character, there's like a cheat sheet. Like yeah. hey, this is. There's a um, few websites online where you can type in information and it can generate characters for you. Ah. There's rules in the books that tell you how to generate characters. And All right. There's just pre-mates that you can choose offline too. All right. Now, what is the most popular storyline? That is typically played for for those that play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, what's like? Did you know of any urban legends within the game? 
important thing that people There's should There's definitely some popular pre-made stories. Yes. But if um, a lot of people do homebrew stories where they just write them themselves. Yes. And uh, I think the most popular is a story that includes a dragon or a dungeon or both. So. Well, of course. Now, I got to think, and I, I mean, I would try something like that, but considering that you can make your own adventures and characters, I have an idea for Dungeons & Dragons game. There should be one that's based on the city of Dayton. Like, the whole adventure is a group of people traveling the city of Dayton to find a buried treasure chest, or perhaps a bag of money, like perhaps $100 million. And the characters should be legendary Dayton figures. <laughs> like, um, trying to think, I mean, there's baseball player Pete Rose. He could be a character. Then there's, I'm trying to think of all those funk bands that were around in the 70s. Bootsy Collins. You're not even restricted by D and D at that point. Um, any RPG is easily adapted and can it's be sound, created. It you sounds just have to like come it. Up with a simple system where rules are based. Um, there's a really simple RPG called Honey Ice that I absolutely love. It's a two-page RPG, front and back, very easy to learn. And I just thought of it because we have a group here called the Dayton Dragons. They play baseball. There could be a scenario where we all travel to um, Fifth Third Field in the game, of course. And there actually are dragons. They just pop up from the dugouts like, ah, what are you doing here? And that would be the dragon portion of Dungeons and Dragons. So there's that. So I, if, there's any, if there's ever a game of D&D &D where we're using the city of Dayton as the adventure location, I would consider it. Professional GM will usually um, curate a game that can last about four hours, I think is a really good yeah. length of time. I just ran an event for the Cat Cafe that lasted about three hours. Yes. So that's nice. Um, but if you want a really good, hearty introduction to D&D, &D, an eight-hour game with some snack breaks, definitely fun. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, well, that's, it's a commitment, I hear. So maybe one day I will try it. But I guess that's always what turned me off was these eight-hour games. I like something that's I play I play cards. Yeah. So that's why I, I stick to that. Well, the good news is it's not like sorry. It's not yeah. like you're stuck in an eight-hour sorry game. Yeah. This is a game where you are hanging out with your friends, making jokes, eating food. Yeah. So yeah, that does sound like fun. That portion it's, of it. It's does. a it's like a casual party hangout, but then you're also playing through this adventure that one of your friends has crafted. Kathy Leggett from DATV. Make sure you check us out on Time Warner Channel 5, 6, and 23, Sundays at 12 noon, Tuesdays at 9 p.m. See you at the next show. I think it's now time for everyone's favorite segment of the show. It's now time for OHMVP. That stands for Ohio's Most Valuable Pedestrian. And what it is, it's a segment. Um, there's always a story that's very interesting going on in the state of Ohio, and then there's a person or a group of people I live in Ohio, or they're linked to Ohio somehow. They did something interesting. And, um, of course, there's a story. So I'll go ahead and read the story, and then you'll share your thoughts, and then we'll decide who to give this award to, because it is an award. It's not really an award, but really a shout-out. So let's get into this week's story. Um, this is from Marion, Ohio. A photo of a school administrator lying on the concrete with an 8-year-old student who was waiting for the bus has gone viral. Steph Compton shared a photo of her son, LJ, and his new assistant principal, Mr. Smith, on Facebook last week. 
She shared the photo with Fox Aids. LJ, who's in third grade at Garfield Elementary in Marion and has Down syndrome and autism, was having a moment, Compton wrote in her post. Mr. Smith reportedly got down on his level in efforts to help him out. This is why, even though we live across town, LJ still goes to Garfield, Compton said. According to WCMH, the photo was taken by school employee Amber McKinnis, who sent it to LJ's mom. McKinnis is quoted saying, I had to take the picture. It was the most amazing thing I've seen. Our hearts melted, and LJ enjoyed it. WCMH reached out to Garfield Elementary Assistant Principal for comment, but he cannot be reached. Meanwhile, Compton's Facebook post has received tons of comments from people praising Mr. Smith for his dedication and kindness. It has been liked over a thousand times and shared more than 700 times. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, obviously people really found this picture moving and I hope you share the photo with it because it's really great. I think I will. Once this, when this episode comes out, I'll definitely share the photo. Um, but here it is, in case you haven't seen it, Savannah. Yeah. That's the little boy, and he, yeah, he was, he looked upset, and Mr. Smith is just laying right down there, like making like, eye contact. It's like nap time. Yeah. But he's, man, he's on his level. Absolutely. Um, but Savannah, did you ever have a teacher that helped you? Like when you ever had a bad day at school, did the teacher ever help you through any troubles? Oh my gosh, or, so many teachers. So many. I wouldn't be here today with all my teachers. Well, lucky you. I think there was three that ever liked me, so that's good to know. Hey, all you need is one teacher in your life to yeah. change everything for you. Well that's, well, that's good to know. Now, there's several figures in the story. Of course, we have Steph Compton, who she is the mother of the son. And then we have the assistant principal, Mr. Smith. And then the person who took the photo, it was, um, sorry for, oh yeah, it was um, Amber McKinnis. So three people had a hand in this photo getting out there and helping the little boy. Who, which person stands out to you the most in this whole thing? I mean, obviously the teacher, definitely. Mr. But Smith. also Amber, who had the, who took the photo and then even like passed it on to this kid's mother. That's true, because the photo, no one would know about this if she doesn't take the photo. Yeah, and it's, no, it's it, something should be said about the photographers out there who are able to share photos like this and get them to the places where it means a lot. I think the kid's mom definitely meant a lot to her to see this photo. Yes. Well, so you're saying that two people should get OHMVP. That's Amber McKinnis, the photo taker, and then there's uh, Mr. Smith, the assistant principal. Yeah. All right, I agree with you. All right, so for this episode, this is amazing. That's really cool because kids with autism, I do know you've said struggled with that. That can be troublesome, and then get overstimulated. I hear, and that's what gets them upset. Yeah, that is. This was a de this was big of Mr. Smith to do this, and of course Amber had heads up decision to take the photo and made a nice heart heart warming moment for the world to enjoy. So for this episode, Ohio's on fire, OH MVP goes to Mr. Smith and Amber McKinnis out in the elementary school in Marion, Ohio. They're from Garfield Elementary. So round of applause, they get round of applause. All right, they did it. All right, Savannah, let's continue our conversation. I wanna talk about podcasting because I know you're dedicated to the art and of course, your friend Sean 
which he's here in spirit because he was going to join us, but he is at work, so he may not be able to make it for our, our podcast interview. So range, he'll rain check me. I know he will. Um, but I want to ask you, what, what's your favorite podcast right now? Not, you can't answer the one that you work <laughs> on because that'd be cheap. None that I what work you, on. Yeah, okay. what do you like listening to? Um, I actually listen to um, a news podcast usually every morning, whether right. it's Planet Money or um, NPR's morning edition kind of podcast. So yeah. I always start the morning with some kind of news or something like that. Yeah. Um, I like The Daily a lot, too. Okay. And then I subsidize that with a lot of just creative content. And from okay. that, it's um, anything the McElroy brothers do is pretty entertaining. And oh. then I love Pantsuit Politics is a great podcast. Okay. Um, I really just cover my bases. And then uh, when I'm not listening to podcasts, I'm listening to audiobooks. So it's audio okay. 24-7 with me. Oh, you said Elroy Brothers. What do they do? The McElroy Brothers do a D&D oh. podcast. Okay. And they um, run a very amusing advice show <laughs> as well. They're pretty... I got their name on. Is it Mick Elroy or Elroy? What's their name? Mick Elroy's. Mick, Mick Elroy's. Okay. All right. I'll, I might have to check that out. Um, me, personally, I definitely like the Joe Rogan experience. I listen to him. If he has a good guest on. And lately, I've been listening to the, it's the new um, podcast that talks, it was Kim Goldman. She talks about um, her dealings with her brother dying, and she often calls OJ a murderer, which he probably is, although court of law says he didn't do it so there's this whole um back and forth about should she should she call him a murderer the law says he didn't do it but it's really captivating he she talks to various people that was involved with the case back in the mid 90s she talked to the father well i'm sorry him yeah she talks to her father and then she also talks to um the lawyer Mar- martha um, yeah I, I forget her last name that martha woman who was representing Nicole Simpson and yeah she talks to various people so that I like I've, I've been into that podcast so lately. you enjoy some true crime I enjoy yes. some true crime because I also like I don't listen to any true crime actually I don't know how I've gotten away with that but I've just never gotten hooked on any of them yeah I wouldn't say I'm hooked I do listen to some of my favorite murder mm-hmm. but it depends on what they're talking about so it's kind of like depending on the subject and so I'm touch and go with that but anyway, that's cool. Um, what I want to know is, I was wanting to ask you too about the audience for podcasting. Do you feel like, because there's a lot of people that listen to it now, do you feel like it's mostly young people or is it mostly older elderly people? Who do you think is listening to podcasting? I think absolutely everybody has a hand in Everyone. podcasting. Right. Maybe some less technology savvy people don't yeah. listen to it very often. I know I've had to like preload some podcasts on my grandparents' phone, if they automatically appear, then they'll listen to them, but oh, right. they don't actually know how to go in and look for them. So if, I imagine. If it's preloaded, then I think the audience can, can expand a little bit more, but um, anybody with a phone or computer that can type in what podcast they want to listen to usually can listen to it. Yes. That, I mean, pretty much anybody can be part of the market. Pretty much. Now, I'm concerned about the um, elderly portion of the audience because just they didn't grow up using computers. And I'm just imagining my grandparents that they were alive. I know my grandma liked to watch the news, and regardless if there were bad things on there or not, because she just wanted to know what was going on in the world. My grandfather liked country music. He liked country-related stuff. 
I imagine there's a podcast about those two things. If I just I can imagine myself getting my phone out and tell my grandparents, "Hey, you should listen to this," and I just play it for them. They might be into it. I'll just have to have, I'd have to have it on in the house. Um, but I'm just imagining that because yeah, they both passed away years ago. But they were part of that era where you couldn't use computers. Mm-hmm. It was just wasn't readily available, and now everyone has. Everyone has a phone. They can record. They can get on the web. We live in a different time. I think podcasts are moving into a pretty set medium now. I think I believe most that. people understand what they are and can access them. I agree. Absolutely. Um, now, Savannah, you are definitely a seasoned podcast producer yourself. How many episodes or series do you think you've worked on at this point? I have absolutely no clue. Ballpark? <laughs> like, do you think maybe you've done like maybe 300 episodes? Is oh, it, gosh. Is in that range? Uh, it's definitely over 100. The, 300 could be possible. All right, I'll take your word. closer. I'm not quite sure. All right, you've done a lot. I've been active, like... Uh, persistently editing a lot for the past few months so that's definitely sort of rack it up and then i've worked probably over on over 20 different podcasts man so. well you're quite busy in the um podcast industry and i'll take your word for it. that sounds like a good number that you've worked on um what i want to know now is for podcasts what aspects of it do you think is most important for the person that's making the podcast well, it depends on what kind of podcast you're making. Yeah. Um, if it's interview style, you want to make sure that you have interesting and dynamic guests on. So you want to have different types of people on. Of course. And talking about different topics. Um, and then if you're doing something like an audio drama, you really need to put a lot of time in beforehand before you actually produce something like that. So okay. that's like something you want to like think about ahead of time. But like interview style, you can jump into that kind of stuff really easily. Or if you have like two co-hosts that always work together, like that's a really just easy style to just go along with. I think interview style podcast is easier because really it's based on the conversation. And I noticed these other podcasts, there's a lot of production value to these. Like, mm-hmm. um, like there's background music. I think a lot like um, Welcome to Night Vale. That's heavily edited. Because yeah. you gotta have background music, you gotta have a pre-made story that's fictitious, so they gotta act. That sounds like that would take a lot of work to make. In which something like a Joe Rogan yeah. or um, a Tiger Belly podcast, they just go out there and talk, and that that's probably easier to edit. Oh, it's by far definitely a lot easier to edit a two-file edit, but it is definitely immensely rewarding to work on something very edited. My D&D podcast that I was working on had a lot of things going on. Music, sound effects, four vocal tracks. That yes. It was very yes. heavy. We're actually working on, we're going to be producing an audio drama next year. Oh, okay. Do, do you want to talk more about that, or is that still secret? It's, a, it's not a secret project. It's definitely thrown out there, but um, we're definitely going to be hiring some voice actors, and okay. it's going to be a budgeted production, so budgeted. we're raising money for it and things like that. All right, well, I'll definitely look forward to that. Now, I want to ask you this. Since 2017, the amount of podcasts that are available for downloads, they have more than double. Like, they right now we're in a podcasting boom. Um, I just want your thoughts since you work in the industry a lot. I'm currently in the industry. I've only been in this for the last year. What do you think is going to happen to podcasting in the year 2020? Um, more downloads. So it's going to keep growing. It's 
easier than ever to upload podcasts. Um, obviously, not all of them will make it. Yeah, I get yeah. I mean, um, most don't make it past a few de- um, episodes. Um, yeah. I was even restricted by that. I only had a few episodes pod before fade. I started doing it. Yeah, pod fading. Yeah, pod fade. I felt I felt for pod fade. Yes. I went too heavily produced, too fast, and yeah. now I'm just editing other people's stuff because it's. I enjoy it. I just don't want to put that all that pressure on myself. And I can relate because I don't want to burn out either. Because I'm this podcast. This will be um, since I've left college radio. This is going to be like the 15th episode I've made podcasting wise. I don't want to burn out either because I do know. Besides you, I know a few others that were podcasting. They're really good at it. Mm-hmm. Then drama happened, and then they were using too much of their time to make the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a dedication, I believe. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You've got to control the podcast. You can't let the podcast control you, or it's going to be all over. You'll want to just rage quit, <laughs> and all your work, all the work you've done, will be for nothing. I do have to say, I learned a lot jumping in at the very deep end of podcasting, yeah. where I had way too much stuff I was editing, yeah. and it took hours and hours to do it. Um, I'm definitely scaled back with the kind of projects I do now, where it's only two-person interview style. Not very. It doesn't take great. It just takes a few hours to edit. Yeah. And it sounds beautiful. But I've definitely learned a lot doing it. So jump yes. in. The best way to learn how to podcast is to just jump in and do it. Yes, I do also want to add because I looked this up because people want to know because I do know some people that do want to get into podcasting but they haven't done it. Mm-hmm. The best time, if you are a new broadcaster, you've never done any broadcasting anywhere, start in February. Because January, that's like the month after, it's the hangover from Christmas. They say the very best month to get started is February. So if you have a New Year's resolution, audience or anyone out there has ever wanted to get into this industry, I would take the, the holiday season to think about what you want to do and then plan that out and talk to people and then launch the thing in February the following year. And they did say that the most podcasts that are released that are new, it is February. It's the month of February. Mm-hmm. So there's something to it, I guess. I haven't ran a class on podcasting since last year. Yeah. But if there's definitely a class offered near you, that's a great opportunity as Yes. Well. Go to meetups and definitely yeah. have a class. And then you can also look into consulting. I've consulted for people before, before they started and just kind of explain the basics to them. And All help right. them kind of craft their vision. All right. Um, the end, I want to end this interview, but I know you do have some projects going on right now, and you also offer a service for your editing. I want you to talk about um, what services you offer for podcast editing. Yeah, sure. I have, um, a standard, I have a standard fee set. It kind of depends on a few different factors. Yes. That is how many audio files you have, how many people are on this podcast, um, the length of their original audio file. Um, And then I just do straight hourly fees sometimes. That's about $30 an hour. $30 an hour. Okay, where can people reach you if they want your help? Yeah, the best place to reach me is either on Instagram at savannah.g.web. That's my business Instagram. Or email me at savannah.g.web at gmail.com. All right, those will be linked in the description. I'll make sure you guys... Get that if you want to work with Savannah. And of course, she does podcasting from time to time. So just, yeah, keep in track, just keep in touch with her projects. And of course, you have that thing coming up within a year. So I 
We will look forward to that. Um, this has been a great interview. I've enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to play D&D, um, the best thing you can do is Google um, any kind of gaming shop nearby and call them and see if they know anything. If you're in the Dane area, I run a Facebook page that's um, Dayton Tabletop and RPG Community, mm. and we post events on there, and we post... Um, Different people will post um, classifieds to find new players and things like that. So that's a great place to find your first D&D game or yeah. tabletop game. All right. I'll take that into consideration. Savannah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. episode i've played music from the band silver spoons they're from louisville kentucky earlier on i played the track heartache and then just now i played house ghosts you can listen to their entire catalog at reverbnation.com slash silver spoons i am now going to do something that i hope to do a little bit more frequently here on ohio is on fire i am going to do event roll calls as I release this episode, there'll be events going on in Ohio during the weekend and throughout the month that people should celebrate. And I have mentioned before, fall time in Ohio is a big deal because there's numerous festivals, there's fairs and parks having special events, a lot of outdoor happenings and haunted houses. I found a collection of really good ones going on in Ohio. They're going on this weekend. I wanted to shout them out for a little bit in case you didn't know about them. The first one is one of the um, well-known Renaissance festivals in all of Ohio and all of America, of course, is the Ohio Renaissance Festival. It's going on this weekend. You can go there Saturday at 10.30 a.m. It's in Waynesville, Ohio. Of course, also on October 12th is Oktoberfest weekend. That's taking place from the 12th to the 13th. That is in Putin Bay, Ohio. That's taking place at the River Park 
on to Bayview Avenue. Another event that's happening here in Ohio on the 12th of October is Harvest Moon Festival in Rendezvous. That's taking place Saturday the 12th from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. That is in Granville, Ohio, located the Licking Park District. That's on Lancaster Road, 4309. And also on the 12th of October, we have Oak Harbor Apple Festival. That's taking place from the 12th to the 13th. That is in Oak Harbor, Ohio. And then on October 11th, we got the Chillicothe Halloween Festival. That's in Yakatigi Park in Chillicothe, Ohio. What it is, you can buy costumes for your kid or for your relative, anything related to Halloween. It's all outdoors at the park, and it's only for that weekend. So if you want your kid to look nice for Halloween, this is the weekend to do it. You can do it at Chillicothe, Ohio. Of course, speaking of Halloween and scary stuff, there's a lot of haunted houses going on in Ohio throughout the month. I'm going to talk about one in particular. It's one of the longest-running haunted houses in Ohio. It's Riverside JC's Haunted Castle of Carnage in Trail. That is located at 1213 Old Harshman Road in Riverside, Ohio. They are open on Friday and Saturday from dusk till midnight, and then they are open from Sunday from dusk until 11 p.m. And they have a slogan that's on their website, which is at RiversideJCs.com. We have been scaring the yell out of you since 1986, one of the longest-running haunts in the area. We are 100% volunteer-ran. When you choose our haunt, you are also giving back to the community because all the proceeds from the tickets that you buy, it goes to a local charity in Riverside, Ohio. And, of course, JC's... I'll spell that because a lot of people misspell it. They Some people think it's Jay-Z as in a rapper. Cause, but this thing's been around for a while. It's spelled J-A-Y-C-E-E-S. So it's J-C's. So that is going on this weekend and every weekend this October. So that is the rundown of events going on in the state of Ohio this weekend. I hope to. I'm experimenting with it. So hopefully I'll have a more detailed list in the future. I'll have to do roll calls of special accomplishments in the area if they happen if it's relevant to the show something i'm working on so i hope you enjoyed that so if you live in those areas and you're listening to the show i hope you appreciate my shout out and have fun there this weekend with that being said it's time to wrap up this program once again i want to thank savannah webb for the great interview at proto build bar that's over in downtown dayton ohio at the webster station I've recorded a lot of interviews from Pro to Build Bar. They have been an excellent partner for me in my podcast as I continue to grow the show. Pro to Build Bar has been key in me and the organization. We're looking to build our relationship even further. We're just doing it step by step. And another wonderful interview was thanks to Pro to Build Bar, the home of the 3D models. So with that, until the next episode of Ohio is on Fire... Savannah Webb, Branch Ricky, Haunted JCs, that's the way it is. We only want to know their colors, I shape and girt. Shove it home. Shove it home. You're really close to you. Are you all still with us? No. It's to the for the nurse. Answer me this. This is totally tasteless trivia. Oh my! Oh! Once upon a time, a young boy made a wish. 
to journey to a land of magic with knights and royalty where he draws back the mighty bow and holds strong the swinging sword to feast and cheer the day then drift off to sleep knowing that was magic yeah come celebrate 30 years of magic at the Ohio Renaissance Festival